welcome to XDive Live, exploring the cross currents between customer experience, employee experience, culture, and brand. Here's your host, Ed Bodenseek. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of X Dive Live. I'm so excited to have another dive master with us. I think you're really going to enjoy the discussion that's planned. She's the assistant professor of management at George Washington University, and that is in Washington, D.C. I want to welcome Professor Katina Sawyer. Professor, Hi, how are thanks you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. So great to have you on. You know, um, before we get started and into the meat of our conversation, I want to first have our audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who is Professor Katina Sawyer. How did you get started in organizational psychology and management? Just take us quickly on your journey. Sure. So um, I uh, come from a family of entrepreneurs. Business was always something that was talked about at our dinner table. Um, We were uh, always exposed to uh, through family members who had started businesses or were just part of businesses, um, thinking about even as, you know, young kids, what we wanted to do for a career and what sorts of things we might want to study. And regardless of that, when I got to college, I was a little bit confused about what direction I wanted to go in because although I had this a strong business background for my family. Um, I also had a really strong interest in people and what makes, you know, someone get up in the morning, what makes people tick. Um, And so I had a strong interest in psychology. And so I was kind of going back and forth a lot during my undergrad at Villanova about whether or not to focus on uh, psychology to focus on business. And I discovered this field called industrial organizational psychology, actually, when I was a senior um, in college. And, uh, And that kind of changed the course of my career. Uh, And uh, immediately upon finding out about the fact that I could combine business and psych, which basically it's just the study of workplace uh, psychology. So leadership, training and development, um, how do you motivate people? How do you create an inclusive environment? All these kind of big people related questions that we ask at work um, Mm -hmm. is what we do as IOs. And so as soon as I found out about it, I applied for graduate programs. Um, So I went straight from my undergraduate degree uh, to a PhD program at Penn State, um, where I did a PhD in industrial organizational psych. And I also did a PhD in women's studies. So a lot of my research focuses on diversity and inclusion. But today I'll be talking more about the IO side of things, I think. And uh, while I was there, I got a lot of uh, broad experience um, doing consulting work, working with clients and businesses and Fortune 500s, um, helping them to put this research together that exists on workplace psychology with the problems that they were experiencing at work. And so um, before I entered into academia as a professor, I did consulting work for a few years working for a company that was at the time called SHL. Um, and it's had a whole bunch of other names, uh, since then now it's back to being SHL again, but, um, and I was able to work with clients on the delivery side as well as data analysis side, um, and worked a lot in the employee engagement space. Um, and after that I left and became a professor. I started off at Villanova, was there for seven years, and now I just started as an assistant professor of management in the school of business at GW. So that's, uh, my, my, like, I don't know how many minutes long, but however many minutes long that was. Uh, synopsis <laughs> of the last like 15 years of my life. <laughs> well, well, you've been busy and so productive. I know, um, you know, you're publishing now and you're teaching. And um, what's interesting is you've been on the corporate side and also now in the academy. And so I yeah. think it's a great, unique perspective. So you mentioned employee engagement. And as you know, a 
big focus of the X Dive live show is just this convergence of people from the branding and marketing worlds thinking more intentionally about culture, about things that traditionally had been on the HR side of the house, employee engagement, at the same time, having people in HR, that traditional, those traditional roles, kind of looking on the other side of the fence a little bit, like, wait a minute, these people are going on and on about brand ambassadors. How do we really create that? And what does that really mean? And what does alignment look like? And so I want to start just kind of... Um, we talk about, because everybody now wants this great employee experience. And if you reverse engineer that, don't you have to first think about, okay, so what motivates people in the workplace? And what does that gap look like between here's what I would love for work, my workplace to be, the ideal, and reality? Like, where in the world do you start? That's such a, a weighty question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is a weighty question. And um, in fact, there have been researchers examining the issue of motivation in the workplace since, you know, like the 1930s, people have been thinking about this kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot out there from a, from a theoretical perspective on how to engage employees, but there's not a lot out there in terms of um, sort of empirically quantifying, like how do you actually get underneath of what actually motivates people and bring that to life in the workplace. So I think one of the things that's become somewhat frustrating about the employee engagement space and other, you know, similar employee satisfaction and um, things of that nature. Uh, I think that, I think that what's become frustrating about it is that it's sort of this very descriptive measure. Um, it's kind of static or it tells us what has happened before. So um, while it's great to know if your employees feel engaged or what they feel engaged with, um, you're sort of asking them like what's been happening, right? Um, how, how has what has been happening resonating with you? And then when you get the results back of an engagement survey, and I'm saying this as a person that, you know, I, I believe that organizations should use engagement surveys and do engagement surveys, but I think it's part of a puzzle. Um, because when you get those results of an engagement survey, what often happens is people are looking at the results and they're saying, okay, you know, people are engaged or they're not engaged or they're engaged with this area. They're not engaged with this area. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is you're kind of like trying to fix stuff that already happened. So like they don't like this. So let's run in and try to fix some stuff and then see next year if that made things better. Or, you know, you're taking kind of a broad based guess. Like it seems like people aren't satisfied with their supervisors. They're not engaged with their supervisors. So um, as an executive leadership team, we think that that's probably because of X, Y, or Z. So let's put some stuff in place and maybe what we think is happening is what's happening and we can fix that problem, right? Um, mm -hmm. And all of that's fine, but I think it's just a very like, it describes how things are, but it doesn't really tell you what you should do. So that follow-up piece from the executive team sitting there saying, what do we do about this? That's kind of when people start taking shots in the dark. Like, well, I kind of have a hunch it's like this. Or I've heard people say this, like, let's change it and do this, um, where you're not really as honed in on, on why the data is coming out the way it's coming out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we, what we really need to start focusing on is not descriptive stuff, but predictive stuff that then can give you prescriptions for what to do. So if you can see where things are now and say, based on what's happening today, I know what things are going to look like tomorrow. And in end, the follow-up to that is, in order to make things, that picture look the way I want to, here's what I prescribe people should do, and that you should have a strong database rationale for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where motivation comes into play. It's like, what is inherently motivating to a person tells you what you need to do in order to make them engage. So engagement is an outcome, it's past focused, whereas motivation is a precursor, um, and it's, it's 
person focused or it's underlying and, and sort of unchanging over time. So, right. So it's what we would say, talking about a leading indicator and going deep on the front end versus a lagging indicator with most employee engagement surveys. Yeah. And I think that the way that engagement's been pitched is really interesting, right? Because people think of like, oh, well, you engage your employees, you get all these outcomes. And that's true. Um, you know, you, you do, it is linked to performance and productivity and all of these things that are obviously really important for businesses to maintain, to keep the lights on. Right. But because people often talk about engagement as a predictor, people don't think about what predicts it as much as they should. So engagement is a predictor of those things, but it's not the, it's not the start of that equation of what creates performance. Something predicts engagement. And that's where we've really been lacking is like, well, people give engagement surveys every year. They get pretty similar scores from year to year. They have trouble moving the needle. Engagement surveys have been around forever. Um, we still know a lot of people aren't engaged. Why would that be true if engagement surveys are supposed to be fixing the problem? And the fact of the matter is it's a survey. It's not really telling you about the employee themselves. So what predicts whether or not an individual is engaged? That's a, a leading indicator of engagement. So people don't think of engagement as a lagging indicator, but in fact it is. Um, it's just sort of in the middle of that equation. Well, and you look at so many people who come from the world of branding, for example, right? Where it originally was this arts and crafts kind of approach. And we're just going to make your look and feel. We're going to go to market and package everything. And as you get much more deeply into what a brand really represents, right? Which is the sum total of your perceptions of your interaction with, with an organization, let's say. It's not a surprise, right? That the most thoughtful kind of people from marketing and you're in the, you know, you're so closely affiliated there with the school of business and your work kind of in management. Are, are you seeing, um, are you seeing some of this convergence as well? Because suddenly branders are talking about, wait a minute, what's our purpose? How do we engage our employees? Like, is something happening where it's coming together in your mind? Yeah, well, I think it's like, you know, you're looking at a lot of people talking about, you know, what kind of experience customers have and their brand recognition. And you have mentioned brand ambassadors before and all these sorts of things, right? Like, um, how are people viewing us externally? And I think what people are starting to recognize is like, well, hey, we've got all of these people who work for us that are representing us externally to those individuals, right? Mm -hmm. And they're also creating this internal culture, which people talk about, you know, with the, you know, glass door type, mm -hmm. uh, you know, transparency that we have um, about how places are to work now. And so, you know, you can see these happy, smiley faces externally facing, but if you have friends or family members that work there, you go online and you Google and you see, man, it's a terrible place to work, like that tells you something as a customer about whether or not you see that customer facing behavior as being authentic. And so in, in the psych literature, we talk about this as word deed alignment and in personal relationships like friendships and um, romantic relationships and other sorts of relationships that you might have in life. Um, this is something that plays a really big, big role in whether or not you end up liking someone long-term or wanting to be around someone long-term is like, is what they say actually what they're going to do. Sure. And I think that that is true for companies as well. Yeah. You know, I've always said, if you want to really want to know corporate values, don't look at the poster on the wall, but look at what they, what's actually valued. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We call it um, culture versus climate. 
So culture is like what, if you ask the executive team, like what's this company all about? It's the very formal answer that you'd get. Like what are the artifacts that you see on the website or what's the posters that are hanging on the wall or what's the newsletters that come out to, to employees or to customers. But the climate is like, how does it feel in here? What's the temperature? Um, and that can only be gauged by asking the people who work there the honest question of what's it like. And co companies that are really good at creating customer experiences as well as employee experiences the culture and the climate are very closely aligned. Whereas companies that are worse at that, the culture and the climate are very discrepant. Yeah, I love that. It's like you said, word deed alignment. that captures yep. it so beautifully. So one of, the, one of the questions, you know, that often comes up is, okay, so we want to encourage the right behaviors. And what you're saying is to do that, you need to understand the intrinsic motivators because not everyone, it's a, a much deeper and more thoughtful approach than just the extrinsic piece of this, right? So yeah. There's a lot of movement around reward and recognition programs. Have they really worked? Yeah, so I think that um, the extent to which they have worked is in alignment with what we know from the literature on this, which is that yes, external rewards work to a point, right? So um, if I feel comfortable, however I define comfortable for myself and different people define that differently. Um, but if I feel comfortable, like I'm keeping my lights on, I have the food I want on the table on the table, I'm clothing myself in a way that I feel is, uh, you know, acceptable. And um, I'm able to spend some time doing fun stuff that I like to do with family and friends. Um, most people from an external perspective or an extrinsic perspective would say that's good enough, right? Like, um, I, and, and at that point, once you hit that point, however, that's defined. At that point, that's when extrinsic motivators stop mattering as much and intrinsic motivators start mattering a lot more. Um, so it's at that point where you kind of say, okay, I'm comfortable from a monetary perspective. Sure, a little extra money might be nice, but it's not worth the trade for me to no longer like what I'm doing or to feel negatively about the job itself. Um, so at that point, what we see is the, the ROI on intrinsic motivators really starts to kick in once people feel comfortable from an extrinsic perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think a frustration, a, a frustration point for many people in this space or even on the outside looking in, like within their own organizations, like, gosh, I, I'm hearing a lot of talk about intrinsic motivation. Um, I know I've heard it in a couple of keynote speeches and people, I don't, I'm, it's genuine, right, professor? I don't think they're, they're um, just paying lip service to it. But what's sure. always missing is, okay, so now what? How do I go about even assessing that? And yeah. you've, you've kind of come up, I think, with another talent and uh, a data scientist, kind of come up with some interesting ways to catalog the dimensions, I think, to use your language, of intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Tell us about that. How the heck would you even assess something like this? Sure. So, um, so in addition to uh, my kind of full-time job as a faculty member at GW, I also um, am in a company called MotiveX, where I'm the co-chief talent scientist along with a colleague of mine, Christian Thorogood, um, who's a faculty member at Villanova. And basically, um, based on some of the frustrations that I had just shared with you about the engagement space, as well as some of the frustrations around, you know, people not tapping into these intrinsic sides of what makes people tick, we really wanted to create something that would help to tell people what to do. So I'm like a huge believer that most people at work want to do the right thing. And, and the research shows this too. Most people want to do a good job. They want to do the right thing. And usually when we look at a, a whole group of people in an organization or groups of organizations, and we're not seeing the needle move on engagement or companies can't get their productivity any higher or whatever, it's usually not because 
nobody cares. It's usually because what we often see as a people problem is actually a context problem. So you look at a bunch of people and they don't seem engaged and you say, well, it must just be that those people are not very interested in being engaged. But what we believe and what the research shows is that if you can change the environment to really tap into what motivates somebody, all of a sudden you can enact um, what it is that makes that productivity or that engagement go up. Um, but you need to give people the information that they need in order to make that happen. So you can say to your managers, you know, motivate your people. The number one thing that a manager is going to do if you tell them to motivate their people is do whatever would motivate them, right? Because that's what you think of as being most motivating. Mm -hmm. But really what it needs to be is this mixture of getting people in tune with the idea that intrinsic motivators are important and then giving them the information that they need to be able to create uh, environments that are more intrinsically motivating to create that change in the team that they that they want to create. Mm -hmm. So our assessment gives managers and individuals the information that, about what underlies their intrinsic motivation so that managers can start tailoring their approach to individual employees to say, okay, what are you motivated by? To what extent are you getting this in your workplace? And how can we help close that gap so that you feel excited to get here when you get here in the morning? And that will automatically lead to more engagement and more productivity. Just terrific. And it's so cutting edge. And it's exactly why I wanted to have you on the show because thinking about these things at this level, I think it's exactly where we need things to go, where we're not chasing silly scores and these outputs. And as you put it, you know, getting a lot less descriptive and much more prescriptive. And here's a prescription, right? Um, to do something about it. And I think it, it alleviates that, that frustration. Like here's yeah. a tool we could do something now, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think something that's really important to remember just from like a very basic perspective is that organizations are just a whole bunch of people doing stuff. And that stuff can be in a direction that helps your organization or it could be in a direction that doesn't help your organization. It can be sort of neutral. Um, but we kind of forget that like when we're looking at all these outputs and scores, like you mentioned, that what we're really talking about is how do we get this group of human beings to feel excited to be here in a way that's going to, and give them enough direction that they're gonna understand how to take that excitement and put it towards something that's gonna help everyone achieve a common goal. And that's really basically what performance is, right? So if we think about it that way, why, why would the answer of how to get that done be anything other than starting with the very fundamental elemental pieces of what makes up human motivation in the first place. And so I think we've gotten kind of away from that idea and it's kind of time in, in a way it seems like, you know, complex um, or adding another layer of complexity to the equation that we're kind of already thinking about. But in another way, it's really simple, right? It's just taking it back to the basics of like, we're a bunch of people that are going to spend a lot of time doing this job. How do we understand each of those people that are doing that job and how can we tailor that job to make it as engaging for them as possible? Um, and, and from a really solid research-based place about motivation. Well, I love it. And we're getting down to the micro level, yep. right? So we got this macro aim of we want a great customer experience. And then we figured out, okay, to do that, we need to have a great employee experience. There's a rush toward that right now that everybody's paying attention can clearly see. And now we're breaking it down to an actionable level to the individual. And um, I'm just so grateful that uh, you've come on to share these thoughts with us. Last question for you, how can people get a hold of you or if it's MotiveX or your research, um, how can people find you? 
Sure. So um, you can find me uh, by sending me an email um, at katinasawyer at gwu.edu if you want to send me a personal email and ask questions. Um, but if you want to check out MotiveX, motivexsolutions.com. Um, and you can see more about what we've got going on from a thought leadership perspective, as well as uh, check out the assessment itself if it's something that you think your business might benefit from. We certainly think it's pretty cool. Um, so if you want to give that a look, uh, we encourage you to do so as well. That's just terrific. Professor Sawyer, uh, there you have it. Very cutting edge in this new and, and emerging field in many ways with so much coming together. It's just so exciting. And, and you, you taught us quite a bit. I love the word deed alignment. We're going to remember that. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being on. Please join us next time for another exciting guest on the cutting edge and the cross currents between brand and culture, employee experience and customer experience. This is XDive Live. See you next time. XDive Live is brought to you by Cravity, creating the cultures and brands for people to crave. To explore more content, visit xdivelive.com.